Armed American Radio listeners, today's Armed American Radio's recorded version of the national radio broadcast, the Armed American Radio podcast, is being brought to you today and every day by North American Arms. Make sure to visit NorthAmericanArms.com for the finest mini revolvers on planet Earth. NorthAmericanArms.com. Enjoy the show. Back in Chicago for hour number two of our program, we continue with uh, Roseanne Polito. She joins us in studio along uh, with Matt Barron and uh, Ray Lopez, Alderman from the 15th Ward, uh, joins us uh, via Zoom this evening. And again, uh, uh, I want to get back to our discussion of illegal immigration and uh, and also, uh, I guess, the other big issue, obviously, is uh, is, is uh, the asylum seekers, which appears to be a larger number. And again, I think it's important that everybody sort of separate the two, uh, and also to find out, you know, what the what, what is the reaction of government to each of those? And, and Ray, my quick question to you is: If someone is an illegal immigrant, uh, as far as you know, they're getting nothing, right? There's there's no support that they are getting from any 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 source. Correct. Now, there's there's generally speaking, there's no housing, there's no government benefit they can apply for. Uh, from the federal level, there may be municipalities that offer assistance regardless of citizenship or status. Uh, cities like Chicago, which don't ask if you're a citizen, if you wish to enroll your child in public education or things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, but aside from that, no, there are no federal programs to assist them. And you also, if you are, if you're any citizen and you walk into a hospital, you are supposed to be cared for. Uh, whether you can afford that or not. Is that correct? Yes. So the stories of hospitals around the United States, I've heard this for seven years now, is that emergency rooms around the United States, primarily in California, but not exclusively anymore, uh, they are filled up with uh, illegal immigrants, illegal immigrants, and they're taking up space and they're getting served over uh, taxpayers, and uh, that's obviously uh, concerned a lot of taxpayers. one last question. Uh, you mentioned in the first segment that those who are uh, asylum seekers, they get some compensation from the federal government from the get-go. Do you know if that is a monthly stipend? Do they continue to get money, or is it a one-time only payment? Does anybody know the answer to that question? Nobody All knows? I can tell you is what's on the news. <laughs> Go ahead, Ray. And I've heard conflicting. I've heard conflicting where it's either a one, uh, a, like a debit card that gets refreshed, or I heard that it was just like a, a singular payment. So I've heard, mm-hmm. I've heard different stories. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Secretary Mayorkas and uh, Immigration and Custom Enforcement is not very forthcoming with all of their details on what they do. So okay. you know, we can only be left to speculate. Do you agree that he would? It would be he, the the department and the country would be better if he resigned, Mayorkas. Right. I think so. Yes, I think he's been a complete failure in this moment. Um, I think the fact that uh, he's setting these individuals up for failure and allowing history to repeat themselves. Uh, we've seen where this path has taken us before in the early, in the late eighties and nineties when we had an influx of asylum seekers who were mm-hmm. given court dates years down the road, only to be denied their asylum request mm-hmm. years later. And then going underground in the, in the L.A. County, ultimately becoming the MS-13, 
And now you're spreading that same kind of playbook throughout the rest of this country. So there is concern that he has not learned. The fact that he refuses to take necessary emergency actions to address these individuals. And I have said repeatedly that the Homeland Security Department should be setting up field hearing offices so that we can adjudicate these asylum requests within six months, determine their validity, and if they do not meet the requirements, start deporting individuals immediately because you're going to have a whole new generation of individuals here 10 years from now when Biden is long gone and Kamala Harris is somewhere else. Long gone. Then going to find long gone, hopefully. In this- <laughs> well, do, do you, do, does that extend to having field service offices in the countries where they are coming from? Or do you think that should only be in the United States once they get here? No, I think that if you start putting our field offices in other countries, um, you're going to only exacerbate the problem, especially for asylum seekers. Um, The fact of the matter is you have to make it to this country to be able to ask for asylum. And that's how the law is written. So if you're going to make it where we'll come to your country to find you, then we're not it's it's not going to be asylum anymore. It's going to be uh, citizen recruitment as opposed to asylum. Rosanna. Vivek Ramaswamy and uh, Ron DeSantis have both said that there should be some uh, military use uh, at the border to prohibit those from coming to the country. Uh, some have gone beyond that and said that they, there should be some sort of incursion into Mexico to try to deal with the issues there because they feel that uh, uh, when, you, when you factor in uh, the illegal immigration issue and you merge that with the fentanyl problem, uh, that it really warrants that. I, you're shaking your head as I speak, so uh, I assume you believe that both of those uh, candidates are on the right track? Yes, we have a national security issue on our hands. And uh, absolutely, uh, we we have to stop what's going on right now. Um, America first. And I I, uh, think that there's a choir of of Americans who a year ago wouldn't say that and today are saying us first, veterans first. People who built the country, who fought for the country first. Absolutely. Um, I, I hope somebody does something. One of the things that when, whenever I occasionally will see a homeless person on the street, and this is now we want to move to the other issue that, that governments all over the country are dealing with, including in Chicago, is when you see a homeless person on the street, uh, you're, in many cases, you're assuming that that person has a place to go that night, that they can go to the Pacific Garden Mission, which is huge in Chicago. According, probably every major city has a similar situation, whether it's through Catholic charities or some religious charities, that there, there really is a place to have a, a shelter over their head. At least that's an assumption that I've had. Now, uh, Matt Barron, you, you, this subject is very near and dear to your heart, not only as a journalist, but you have a brother who has spent much of the last 20-plus years uh, on the streets. So my, my question to you is, from, from that perspective, um, h- how wrong is my thinking in that if somebody really wants to find a place to sleep that night, they can find it? So I guess, that, again, I would mention the disconnect sometimes between um, our own theory and then the reality of what is actually um, feasible and realistic given that individual's situation. And this is also not a monolithic group. This is a 
you know, there's a gamut, but there's a common ground of a lot of mental health issues and drug addiction and alcoholism among a good chunk of that population, my brother included. And I would just, um, one thing I've said to my wife and to other people in my life who know my brother and care about him is it's not logical. Like the steps of what it takes to go from point A to point B might seem simple to us, but there's lots of things that get in that way. Another thing is to know that uh, oftentimes people that are panhandling and so forth, they actually do have a home to go to, um, but that um, essentially they're really um, very much on the, you know, they're couch surfing, et cetera. And so it's it's de facto being an unhoused individual, which is a new, new term out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of organizations with the name homeless will have to change their their, their, their names and their missions, apparently. But um, but yeah, just a little side note on that front. So I want to I want to follow up specifically as it relates to your brother and how you have dealt with that and your family have dealt with that over the last 20 plus years. When we continue, 1-800-723-8029 to the callers on the line. Please be patient. We've got a lot of conversations going on this evening, but we will make every effort to get to you. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pod has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. 
Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hergaris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. We continue with our discussion, uh, which is uh, kind of shifted into a discussion of homelessness. And although we will get back to our other issue uh, as the program unfolds this evening. Uh, but Matt Barron, you were uh, during before the break, you were telling the story of, of your older brother, Phil mm-hmm. is his name, and uh, how it's affected how you've watched it affect his life. But I want you to continue with that story, but answer the question that I asked, which was, if you are homeless on the streets, again, in a major city like Chicago, can that homeless person go to a place like the Pacific Garden Mission and have a head or a place to sleep that night or not? The answer, by and large, is yes, but with the big caveat that there's lots of sacrifices in their view that they need to make in terms of um, cutting off their daily routine of what they do to stay afloat, whether it's through um, panhandling and gathering money so they can uh, buy their next fifth of vodka and their next dose of heroin or whatever their drug of choice may be or drug of addiction may be. And then there's limitations on hours and, and capacity. So the first X number of people can get into that shelter. If they're not there in time, then they can't get in. And so I know that's been a recurring But problem. they have to listen to a sermon. I've heard homeless people complain to me that they could go to the Pacific Guard mission, but they've got to sit to through a you know a religious sermon which they yeah. are offended by. Yeah, I'm not sure what the parameters and, and the protocol is there at the Pacific Garden Mission. Um, so, but yeah, and then also it's the matter of I know in Oak Park where I live um, for years, and I believe it's still the case is where there's a rotation of different churches opening up their basements and providing for um, you know men, women, and children to stay there, and it's a shifting you know each night of where they can go um, certain times of the year when it's more available than than otherwise so it's obviously it's 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 all temporary all just stop gaps trying to help people get up on their feet and to break through into some kind of a, a permanent housing situation how difficult has it been for you uh, as a successful man to deal with your brother who is unsuccessful at least in the definition of society and to watch his life for the last 20 plus years. How has it affected you? Yeah, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, it's been a learning process. He's been here in Chicago for 12 years. And, uh, but for, um, since he's been, he's 57 now. And so for about half of his life, he's essentially been um, a nomad and, and no traditional employment um, all across the country, working in a carnival. Um, getting paid, his wages were in the form of a six-pack and a place to sleep at night. Um, so just uh, that's that's his his routine. It's his rut. Um, there are certain areas where yeah, he's 
by classical definition, is unsuccessful. He's also someone who I've seen and, and, um, and, and experienced his interactions with other people and know that he's also very beloved by many people, many other homeless people, uh, because of his giving nature and his kindness and generosity and looking out for them. So, um, But um, in any event, yeah, it's clearly been a strain on the whole family and something that um, I, I just try to walk with him as best I can. Uh, I'm a Christian, and so I strive with not just with him, but with anyone that I encounter uh, to treat them with dignity and respect and love. And it can be really difficult, though, to know what is the loving thing to do versus what's enabling. And so that's that's been a really tricky uh, tightrope that I've walked. In in his case, uh, is 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 there an alcohol addiction? Is there a mental illness? Uh, what, from your perspective? either with your own assessment mm-hmm. or through the assessment of, of a professional, mm-hmm. have you determined what, what your brother's yeah. problem is? It's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle of medical uh, or mental health issues, um, but not um, not as extreme as, as I've seen with a lot of other people who are on the streets. Uh, for him, it's a lot of um, alcoholism, uh, drug addiction, um, uh, you know, heroin for the last six plus years was a cheaper, quicker way for him to get to that state of mind that he felt he needed and feels he needs to um, have peace and escape. And he also has described it to me at times as, as an adventure. Each day he's like the protagonist of his own thriller of how he's going to get to the end of the day. And um, as as warped as that may seem to others, for him, that's kind of what gets him through. His perseverance physically and mentally is astounding. What he's been willing to put himself through for all that time it tells you just how much the grip of the addictions have on him. Rosanna, you said during the break you, you offered an interesting assessment of someone that you, you've spoken with. Share that with the audience, if you will. Uh, yes, my friend, uh, Ted Hayes, who is the so-called czar in L.A. of homelessness, said uh, people have to understand that there is a section of the homeless they do not want an apartment if you give it to them they will not take it so uh, it's interesting you know uh, maybe the average everyday individual we really don't understand it and there there is a lot of mental illness is what he told me Ray Lopez, uh, you're, uh, we've talked uh, about illegal immigration, but again, uh, uh, as an alderman in the city of Chicago, there's, there's homelessness that exists in your community uh, as well. What, what, what happens in Chicago? What are, the, what are the safety nets that are available for someone who is homeless? And, and do you believe that they can, that they can find a, a roof over their head if they really look or you know, know the streets? And most of them probably know the streets backward and forward. Well, first off, Bruce, I want to just thank Matt for that uh, sharing of his brother's story. I know that can't be easy. <clears throat> and I know that uh, addressing homelessness has never been an easy situation, especially for government, because we're always trying to find a way to put people in housing, especially when they don't want to go. Um, in the past, it's been easy to say that we're providing shelter, that we can count the number of beds, we can count the number of homeless, and just see how far we are at making sure that there's availability for those individuals. Uh, but we've seen those Beds and that availability strained over the last couple of years, not just in Chicago, but throughout the United States, um, because funding isn't there, as well as the new crises that are appearing before us 
uh, have been pushing other individuals. Our indigenous homeless have had to now compete uh, with a lot of the humanitarian crisis mm-hmm. caused by the asylum seekers in some of the major cities throughout the city of mm-hmm. Chicago. I think what's difficult for all of us to understand, especially in government, is that you can, just because you can create the unit doesn't mean you're going to force, be able to force someone to, to put their head on that pillow, to go into that shelter, to seek that help. Oftentimes, uh, it's not just that they don't want to listen to a sermon or, or go register. They just don't want to give up their freedom of being on the street or they're having some sort of mental illness uh, that just demands that they stay uh, in solitude on the street in their own in their own universe, in their own reality. And I've seen that even in my own neighborhood here where I have a young man who's been on the street for nearly 10 years. He lives on a corner two blocks from where his mother has a home, and yet he refuses to go home because in his mind, because of his mental condition, the streets are safer than the voice than what the voices tell him. Mm-hmm. So that's something that government maybe cannot fix universally, despite some of our, our more left and socialist uh, members who think that you can solve it with government. Mm-hmm. The best you can do, just as Matt said, provide a Christian outlet for them in, in a safe and, and uh, nurturing environment. You, you mentioned a Christian outlet. I mean, is aren't religions, uh, be they Catholic, Protestant, or Jewish, Aren't those religious organizations the really the they're in the forefront? Mm-hmm. They're, they're the first line oh, yeah. of defense against this, right? Yeah, I mean it's not. And they, you know, so yeah, and I think it's you know I mean this is going to sound cliched, but some of my best friends are also atheists, and they are some of the most you know kind and thoughtful people as well. And so it's not specific to just Christianity and uh, and, and that kind of a walk, but it's also anyone you encounter to try to imagine this is someone's son or daughter, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even a, a parent or a sibling, and that uh, what would you do if this was in your family tree. One of the things that you do as a journalist, you have a blog, mm-hmm. uh, Matt, and uh, I want to give everybody an opportunity to get a piece of paper and a pen uh, So, because we're going to give that blog address of Matt, because uh, it, it, it's an ongoing blog. Uh, it doesn't exclusively deal with his brother, Phil, but frequently the articles deal with his brother, Phil, and how he interacts with him and and Phil's life on the street and his ability to survive. So I'm sure that we have listening to the program or watching the program this evening, uh, perhaps even thousands of people who have similar circumstances uh, as does uh, Matt Barron, and uh, uh, having an availability or being able to read a blog uh, from someone with a similar position, I think uh, might be beneficial to you. So I ask you to do that. We'll do that in the next segment. And uh, one of my last questions on this subject, uh, uh, and that is, uh, Matt, is when you see someone who's asking for money on the street, what do you do now? You know, it's a good question. It, I, you know, I'm. Um, I'm not that much different than I used to be, which was in the moment I would decide. I would always try to be respectful. Sometimes we'll give some money, sometimes a food bar, something practical. Um, so, yeah, it's all discernment in the moment um, because, I, I, in a way, I know too much almost. And so my brother Phil almost has kind of uh, warned me against sometimes giving um, based on the peculiarities of the situation. He doesn't even accept money from me most of the time now because our relationship has evolved to that point where he wants to make it on his own. Um, so, um, but I do try to, uh, and I 
know my brother Phil is on his fridge because he has a subsidized apartment, thank goodness, for the last two and a half years. And he has um, little notes that children have given to him being in the backseat of a car. And, and he weeps. He weeps even recalling those situations, let alone in the moment. So he's very moved by it. So these are human beings. And so I think even if you don't give money, and sometimes maybe it's not the best thing to give money, a smile, affirmation, treat someone with respect as a fellow human being mm-hmm. going through some kind of hellish experience. Mm-hmm. I want to get a reaction from our other guests to that same question, and uh, you perhaps uh, can answer it at home, <laughs> back to the radio or TV tonight. What what do you do when you encounter a homeless person? And I know uh, one thing I like to add to what you said is uh, if it's someone that I see on a regular basis, I try to find out what their first name is. I introduce them to me, and so at least I can say, you know, good morning, Greg, or whoever the case may be, uh, each and every day. Uh, and occasionally uh, a donation, uh, which uh, hopefully I can afford. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks, Charlie. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or surprisingly great rates. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving.
A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We continue on Beyond the Beltway, wherever you're listening from coast to coast and border to border. It's nice to have you with us this evening. And uh, I've just been told that we may have a little technical issue. So let me ask a question and find out whether Ray Lopez can hear me or not. Ray, are you there? I can hear you. Okay, you can hear me. Okay, we do, I don't know whether we can see you or not, but uh, we cannot see you, so it'll just be that the, the, your dulcet tones. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the program that Mayor Johnson, uh, the mayor, of, the new mayor of Chicago, uh, has announced that he wants to have he wants to build tents throughout the city uh, to house uh, the illegal immigrants and asylum seekers that are coming to Chicago. Uh, How much of that idea has been shared with you or members of the city council? So we had a very brief overview on this matter about two weeks ago. We were told that the uh, tents, the the massive outdoor tents can hold up to a thousand individuals and will cost roughly about two million dollars each. Um, locations yet to be determined, um, but I know that approximately every week we're seeing a thousand new arrivals uh, from the border states and from other sanctuary states and cities like Den- uh, coming out of like Colorado and New York. Um, so I don't know how prepared they are to spend fifty million dollars to try and make this a reality in the city of Chicago, considering we've got about 50 more weeks until the Democratic National Convention arrives, and we've had plenty of reassurances from some of our uh, uh, southern governors that they can send migrants every week for the rest of the year to the city of Chicago. So you were getting the influx that's coming into Chicago, uh, just so that I make sure I heard you correctly, it isn't just from Greg Abbott in Texas. Other cities and other municipalities all over the country are putting people on buses and bringing them to Chicago? Yes. Originally, Greg Abbott I and know to a lesser extent Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis were sending individuals uh, here uh, starting around August 2022. But in, in the years since, we now have airplanes bringing them in from Denver. We have New York, which is you know sending them. And not to be outdone... The federal government is now sending people and directing them to the city of Chicago as well. With no money. There's no money that's being provided to them? Well, no. With little money to them, and more specifically, having Chicago have to beg for money from the federal government to address the issue in our city. So the $2 million per uh, tent that the mayor has proposed, is that Two million dollars is that in some fund somewhere in the city budget? We should mention that the city budget is going to be what, uh, what five hundred and sixty million dollars over over budget. Um, I may be wrong on that figure, but um, in other words, is there a line item that that's going to pay for these things or not? No, the mayor has basically been pulling from this fund or that fund to try and cobble together the money to spend, and the city of Chicago up to this point has spent roughly $120 million of its own money in the since January of this year, in addition to roughly $30 million from the state and federal governments, all told about $160, $70 million uh, to address this crisis in our city. Is it true that he, no has asked, 
is it true that he has asked each of the 50 aldermen in Chicago to find a space in their respective wards to put up these tents? Is that true or not? Yes, the mayor has told the members of the city council who represent the 77 communities that he wants their help in identifying two to three locations for shelters and that if they don't, then he will just start finding locations himself. Have you found that uh, location in your ward? Well, I was one of the first members of the city council to open up a shelter in my ward um, to try to clear out those that were residing in the police stations. We turned up one of our field houses into a shelter, which now houses over 350 individuals. Um, before we even just consider finding another place in my ward, you know, there are many of the progressive and socialist members of the city council who espouse daily on the virtues of being a welcoming city who absolutely refuse to create a shelter in their ward. And I told the administration that before you look at any more places in mine, they better start putting up shelters in theirs. Uh, just to re refresh that, because there'll be people around the country that don't know we have a significant number of so Democratic Socialist mayors or, or aldermen in the city of Chicago. And you mentioned that some of them are basically talking again, but not putting up. Would you, would you care to name any of those people? Well, I think if we look at, for example, the head of the Immigration and Refugee Rights Committee in the, on the city council, Alderman Andre Vasquez of the 40th Ward has none. The head of the Social Democratic Socialist Caucus, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, he has none. I think Alderman Daniel Espada, another socialist, he has none. Um, and there are a number of other progressive aldermen who don't as well. Um, they talk a great game until you ask to put it into practice, and at which point they balk and, and shift and pivot and do everything else they can do to get out of the conversation. Now, those around the country, we should mention, those are, I would say, middle-class uh, Hispanic neighborhoods or wards. But my other question is, obviously, we have some affluent wards in Chicago. Uh, have any of those people volunteered or come up with a location in their respective uh, neighborhoods? By and large, no. Most of most of the higher end neighborhoods have yet to share in the burden, and I think to I think it was Phil's point in the first part segment when we talked about the fifty vacant schools from the uh, Rahm administration mm -hmm. that were closed that could potentially be used. You know, all of those schools are in African American communities, which is only heightening the tensions between migrants and the African American community as right. they see that investment just for them and not having taken place at any point before this to help the, those respective communities. Are there are there anybody, are they specifically looking at, let's say, uh, uh, defunct uh, shopping centers? I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of large areas that would have some degree of plumbing in place, because it would seem to me that that would be one of the, the bigger costs if we're going to retrofit buildings or even even create well, them for, for tents. Well, when it comes to the tent, everything is brought in, right, to the outdoor okay. shower units and things of that nature. And as far as the vacant buildings, most of them, you have to remember, Bruce, have been vacant and abandoned and unmaintained for nearly a decade. So right. the expense in, in retrofitting them is going to be monumental. Yep. So I think, you know, there's a plenty of conversation in the city of Chicago now, and I think we might even start the trend nationwide. Um, a number of my colleagues, Alderman Beal, Napolitano, and myself, and some others, want to actually put the welcoming city concept before the voters 
and we've introduced for a ballot initiative, a referendum, mm-hmm. if you will, before the city voters next spring saying, shall the city of Chicago continue to be a welcoming city? Right. Because oftentimes politicians think that life, that, that policymaking is an academic exercise right. um, until it becomes reality. No, I think that, that that's, 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 a, that's a terrific idea. It was one of the questions I think I posed at the beginning of the program. I mean, you can have a politician say we're going to be a welcoming city, but if he turns around and no one is supporting him, be they aldermen or, or, or constituents, then uh, they've created a real problem. And we should mention, by the way, that the concept of the welcoming city goes back to Harold Washington a long, long time ago in the 1980s, who was a I think was the first Chicago mayor that used that uh, that term uh, when he also announced that he, the, the city of Chicago would not be cooperative with federal uh, uh, immigration officials and, and in law enforcement. So that's and, and again, you, I just want to underscore one point because this this may be lost in 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 uh, two hours of great conversation tonight. Uh, this is happening, and this is for people around the country. This issue, which is real. Ray Lopez is going to be dealing with this tomorrow morning uh, and dealing with the city of Chicago and, and a relatively new mayor and 49 other constitu- uh, aldermen figuring out where to put up tents in the city of Chicago during the wintertime at about $2 million a tent. And this is happening on the eve, relatively speaking, of the Democratic Convention coming to Chicago next summer. So can you imagine what the national story will be if in the alleged greatest nation on earth we're having a democratic election or a nomination or a coronation in a city where uh, every news media in the in the world is going to be juxtaposing the closest tent uh, that's housing you know, a, a thousand immigrants or, you know, s- asylum seekers from around the world. I mean, th- th- this is sounds you know, like as, as a China 2008 Olympics, right? The yeah. Olympics in China or Sochi in Russia. Yeah. This is something that happens all across the globe. And certainly it's coming home here. Yeah. But I mean, that is going to be a big, big story. Mm-hmm. Ray, one last question to you for those listening to, uh, who've been uh, regular listeners to this program. Uh, you were a very frequent critic of uh, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, it's been a relatively short period of time since our new mayor. Uh, how would you rate the new mayor versus the old married mayor insofar as communication with you personally concerned? Well, definitely the new mayor and I have had more conversations, more texts, more engagement than in the last four weeks than I had in the last four years with Lori Lightfoot. Um, although I personally think I would love to be a guest speaker at her Harvard teaching class. Uh, <laughs> well, um, well, you should be. But so, so, be. so, so it, just to make, make sure I understand. So things are better, not necessarily great, but they're improving insofar as your relations with the chief executive in the city of Chicago. Well, they are. But, you know, I, I caution that with there's a difference between being between listen, listening and hearing. OK, and got it. You know, he listens to what we say, but I want to make sure that he's hearing what we have to say when it comes to the issues in our streets and our neighborhoods, and especially when it comes to public safety and standing with our brave men and women in law enforcement. Very good. Ray Lopez, thanks very much. Stand by. We have another segment coming up. I'm Bruce Dumont. This is Beyond the Beltway.
back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, <laughs> tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We're diving into our fourth and last segment on this uh, second hour of our broadcast this evening, segment number eight, as uh, Fritz and I return. That's that inside showbiz. Uh, we refer to this segment, segment eight. Uh, we do have callers on the line. I promise we're going to get to them. But again, I also promise that uh, uh, Matt Barron would be able to give the uh, the website, yes. the blog, of how to find uh, you to, to learn more about your perspective about uh, you, you and homelessness as it relates to your brother. Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, there's two different, well, many different ways, but one is on Substack, that great platform for a lot of writers. If you just type in the Inside Edge, that is my Substack name. Another one, uh, so it's Inside Edge, it's uh, uh, 
substack.com forward slash in the inside edge, or I may have reversed it just now. But another one is tiny URL. Remember those? Tinyurl.com yeah. forward slash Matt Writes, M A T T W R I T E S. Okay. So, very good. Again, it uh, again if, if if you are dealing with this uh, on a daily basis, you may frequently feel that you're all alone. You've got nobody to talk to about it. But again, uh, that's the uniqueness of uh, of Matt's uh, unique uh, blog as it relates to his his older brother Phil, who has spent uh, much of the last couple of decades uh, on the street uh, willingly, wants to stay on the street. Does he come over for dinner periodically? He, he was in the past. Right now, there's certain parameters that are set. I we meet elsewhere, or I go to his apartment. Okay. There's ways that we do connect, and I see him once or twice a month. Okay. One last question, and somebody may know the answer to this. Uh, Ray, who I think is on the line with this as well, but R- Rosanna, you might yep. know this. Uh, what do we know as a fact whether or not there's any increase in crime from homelessness? people on the street or from illegal immigrants. Do we have real hard facts on that, Rosanna? I, you know, um, I see it all the time on the news. So whether Channel 7 or, uh, you know, all the channels mm-hmm. that we have in Chicago uh, tell the truth or not, yes. they And uh, a couple of different, you know, videos have been on of the people here saying that they're stealing bikes they're robbing people in broad when, they, when they say they do, do they really know that it's an illegal, illegal uh, immigrant or could it be a gang member i mean they they don't yeah. really know that unless they've <laughs> they asked for their yeah. their uh, yeah their but card, i i you know? you know i am uh, i've lived in mexico and i know part of the culture is you you have two of those. I can take one. It is not wrong. I lived it. It's not wrong. I can take that. You have more, you know, and that's what I lived at a Bible school. I was ripped off constantly by Bible students. So I lived it. But are you are you, did, are you are you saying that you think that it's the Mexi- culture that Mexicans have that as part of their culture. I, it is the culture and other missionaries that I've talked to who have been in South America, in Ecuador, in Brazil. They confirm my story. Ray, have you ever encountered that or any per- perception from your perspective? Um, I don't know uh, how we lumped Mexico, Brazil and Ecuador all in the same group. But no, I have not seen where the increase in where any increase in crime is directly related to undocumented individuals or the homeless what i've seen an increase is this 12 to 15 year age group across all demographics who are growing up in a society where we just tolerate everything and no one's held responsible which is what's driving out a lot of the stores and industry in many of our cities throughout this country where you see the shoplifting, the takeovers, and all of that stuff just to become TikTok famous, and we keep amplifying that nonsense, that seems to be more of a uh, agitator in the numbers 
than any of the other two categories talked about. Ray, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question because uh, as a resident of Chicago, of downtown Chicago, uh, my neighborhood has been inundated with uh, celebrations (laughs) of Mexican independence uh, the last uh, 48 hours, including uh, the shutdown of the downtown location, which has upset some people. Uh, I guess there was one incident of violence uh, last evening, uh, actually a block from my house. But generally speaking, my question to you is, for those who are not Mexican, why is it that that celebration can get so big so fast and become so in you know uh, involving other parts of the city? I mean, not every ethnic group gets what the Mexicans got the last forty-eight hours. No, and this was really born out of the pandemic, and it was a failure by Lori Lightfoot to nip this in the bud back then, and it's a direct result of. The Mexican Independence Day Parade being canceled in 2020, and yet a for-profit event being allowed to continue uh, under that administration. But I've said routinely, this is not our culture to act so disrespectfully and crazily throughout the city of Chicago. And that the mayor, Brandon Johnson, and his police department need to do a better job of putting this kind of behavior back in its place. We don't need to have this continue. We have parades, we have neighborhood events, we have all kinds of things, and yet we're allowing this outlandish street takeover, not just downtown, but in the communities too, to continue. And the sad part is, in trying to say that this is your culture, you are now leaving your neighborhoods vulnerable to those gang members who are in our communities because we simply don't have the police protecting the community because they're too busy making sure that the that nobody's getting run over or shot at any of these uh, yeah. caravan parades. Well, that that was my perspective actually last evening. I was uh, uh, I, I oversaw a large area where there must have been 35 police cars just watching an area of a Wacker Drive uh, waiting for fireworks to to happen. Uh, and frankly, I, I, I love fireworks shows, so I guess I wasn't complaining too much about that. But I did think about the, the, the lack of police protection in other parts of the city because so much had been invested into uh, uh, trying to keep peace in the downtown area. Anyway, we are out of time. Ray Lopez, thank you very much. 15th Ward Alderman, Democratic Committeeman. Uh, It's always a pleasure to have you with us on the program. Rosalind Polito, we thank you very much for being with us. And again, uh, Matt Barron, we thank you very much for being with us as well. And again, uh, we have that information uh, regarding your brother. Tonight we've discussed homelessness and the illegal immigration problem. I think the one thing we learned tonight is illegal immigrants, that's one group and then there are the asylum seekers that's the other group the asylum seekers get some stipend the illegal immigrants don't thanks to fritz coleman i'm bruce dumont good night from chicago Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Bye, Bench Press. 
Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or for surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pot has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid, My kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. We all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free 24-7. 